Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Welcome back. Today I'd like to talk a little bit about revival. Now, most people, when you hear a revival, all right, uh, it conjures in the mind a lot of really wild thoughts. Um, and not without purpose, okay? Not without cause. See, um, there are pictures that pops in the head for some people. It pictures uh, a church service where you have a pastor or a preacher or a revivalist uh, preaching his heart out. I mean, yelling, screaming, thumping, uh, running up and down the aisle. Uh, In some traditions, you see people uh, run to the front uh, and laying on hands and they'll fall on the floor and things of that nature. Now, Revival is supposed to be an intervention of God. All right. I mean, it's a moment when the Spirit of God is unleashed because people are ready for Him and they're listening. So, I've been auditing a class, which I recommend, actually. There are classes on the internet, and by the way, the internet is one big university, and I want to encourage everyone to study. But be careful, because you need to look at the person you're listening to very carefully. Uh, It's called vetting. But uh, basically what you're doing is you're going through the person's background and making sure they're not a nut job. Uh, And I recommend you doing that to me too. So, you know, that being the case, uh, you you need to kind of take the person as a package. Now, revival tends to be related a lot more to charismatic assembly God... um, Pentecostal type situations. However, uh, other traditions have been known to have them and have a regular history and uh, lineage of having revivals. As a matter of fact, the Methodist uh, used to have some, uh, you know, people think, oh, Methodist kind of sedate, you know. Uh, they didn't used to be that way. Uh, you know, back back when, uh, they were fiery preachers. As a matter of fact, when I was uh, growing up, uh, I was offered a position at a United Methodist Church, which I which I stupidly rejected and should have taken because it was a fantastic minister. And he was one of the fi- most fiery preachers I'd ever heard. I mean, he was good, all right? Now... A lot of people associate fiery preachers with, oh, uh, somebody who could drop a guilt trip on you. That's not the case because the conviction is supposed to come from the Spirit of God, right? 
Now, it's the job of the preacher to open that avenue. But anyway, let's get back to the class. Okay, so I was... Uh, uh, there's a series of courses called... Uh, it's by the, the Teaching Channel, or the Teaching Company, I believe. It's called Great Courses, and you can get these at Barnes & Noble. Um, I'm not... Uh, you know, they're, I'm not advertising for the people, alright? I'm just saying that's where you can get them. You can get them in Amazon. You can get them a bunch of other places, too. But the thing is, uh, the one that I had studied was the American Religious History by Professor Patrick Allett. Now, I found him fascinating because he's British, and he was teaching American history, and I kind of like him. I like him a lot. Um, and he's Anglican, and he makes no apology for that, and I think that's fantastic. So here's the thing. Uh, going through the history of kind of revivals in the U.S., see, there's quite a little tradition. There's quite a little list here, all right? Uh, the first one was the Great Awakening in uh, 1730 to 1740, all right? It's like George Whitfield, I believe. Then the next one is uh, from uh, 1820 to 1850. Then after that, you have 1875 to 1885. Then after that, the, this one source mentions the Azusa Street Revival, which is where you get the Pentecostal movement from, which is the 1905 to 1915. And then pretty much they kind of take in the 20th century with Billy Graham. And that was started kind of 1910 to 1970. However, comma, let's extend that a little bit. Regardless of how you feel about uh, Pentecostal and charismatic thoughts, uh, there is, uh, you could also throw into that list the Toronto Blessing of 1994. And by the way, Hank Kinnegraff would absolutely categorically say no. Uh, if you read any of his books... Uh, I think you kind of get that impression. But then there's uh, another called the Brownsville Revival, which is also called the Pensacola Outpouring. All right. So here's the, here's the thing. You know, okay, what are you getting out with this list? A revival really should have lasting effects. Uh, the thing that I liked most about Dr. Allett is that he is practical. When he, I mean, he's looking at the history of these revivals, and he doesn't mention all the ones that, that I'm mentioning here, but, uh, uh, but he does mention the major revivals. And it's not all rosy and, you know, it's not all roses and butterflies, okay? Uh, during these revivals, you uh, had, uh, and by the way, so uh, even in the early revivals, you know, you hear stories about people falling on, you know, falling out uh, unconscious and things like that. That happened in the earliest revivals as well. But here's, but here's the thing. It wasn't all, uh, wasn't all roses and butterflies in this respect. Some of these revivals had a, a, a lot of shysters or uh, basically uh, 
religious predators that came up and uh, snookered a lot of people out of a lot of money uh, in a lot of these situations. Also, uh, you had some behavior uh, of the people who attended the revivals that wasn't so Christian-like, so to speak. Uh, There was, in fact, in some of the earlier revivals, there was questions of uh, what what were some of these people doing in the bushes uh, when uh, these revivals were going on because they were held outdoors. Reason, and that's where you get the brush arbor revival thought. Now, at this point, you know people are going to think I'm pretty negative because they're going to say, "Oh well, man, look at you! You're just raining on the parade and being being all negative." Well, no, that's not what I'm getting at. That's not where I'm going at all. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to to say that people, when they talk about these revivals, they make it sound like it was it was. Uh, you know, the Pentecost again, you know, where Peter's preaching and then the Holy Spirit comes in tongues of fire. And that's just not a, that's just not what's going on completely, okay? Some fantastic spiritual things are going on. However, comma, you know, there's some other stuff going on too because what? People are people. Now, here's the thing. What is it that we ought to look at for revival. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, if you have a revival, okay, that means something was dead and it's revived. That can be your faith, your attitude, your your body, any number of things, okay? But it ought to be a lasting thing. And it looks like, I mean, just looking at this list, okay, you know, um, that's a pretty long list. And what really gets me is that every now and then I hear somebody say, oh, no, there's a revival. Oh, there's a revival. There's a revival. Nope, there's going to be a revival. Nope, there's a revival. When? What? Where? Uh, you know, and, and normally it has to do with their own little area of the world and normally what ends up happening is everyone gets whipped into a frenzy and believe me i love a good frenzy okay but here's the thing what happens where is the connection with god and the word of god and the spirit of god that lasts where is that piece of that passes all understanding that stays because god's a stayer he doesn't, you know, he doesn't leave unless you make him do it. So let's look at a different revival for a second, okay? Let's look at a different one. I've been going through the Old Testament, and I'm in the book of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah and Ezra, both of those books are kind of interrelated with each other. And by the way... Ezra was held in the highest esteem by the Jewish sages, by the Jewish teachers uh, up until today. And part of the reason, well, in fact, one thing that was said about Ezra is that if God had found that Moses 
was not worthy to receive the Ten Commandments, then God would have given them to Ezra. Okay, that's heavy, all right? That is, that's an enormous, an enormous compliment. So, Ezra had a revival. He had a revival. And uh, here's something uh, I want you to look at. Look at, you know, if you want to look this up, it's uh, Nehemiah 8. And I'm going to start in, in verse 9. Because basically, um, it's a situation where they found the Word of God and made up their mind they were not only going to read it to the people but teach it to the people in fact let me start in, in Nehemiah 8 8 it says they read from the book from the law of God clearly and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading verse 9 and Nehemiah who was the governor and Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. So, so what, what happened? Where did this revival start? Well, it started with, of course, with the leaders, for one. But it was because they had found the Word of God. And they read it. And then they read it to the people. But it was more than just reading. It's, it, it says, so that the people understood the reading. They made sure, clearly, that the people understood what the Word of God was saying in in its entirety. And that literally just gripped them. It gripped them. It gripped them hard. And now, and it says, and there was an emotional response. So, you know, emotional responses happen at revivals, Right? I mean, it can happen. And I would say that, hey, if God grabs you hard, you're going to feel it. And, and they were weeping. Now, the encouragement that we've got is that they didn't just hey okay so here it is in the King James Version blah, 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 and, and, and leave it they wanted to make sure they took steps to teach it to them and this is something that I, that I really think okay I really think is cool so Ezra the priest and he was a scribe so he's a super smart guy okay it says Ezra the priest and the Levites not just Ezra, but the Levites too, who taught the people, said to the people. So, this wasn't a one-man show. 
Ezra and Nehemiah just didn't stand up and say, oh, yeah, it's just us, you know, and hey, we've, we've got this thing, and, you know, and now, there were times that prophets were a one-man show, but this revival was not a one-man show. Because the Levites, who had been dedicated to service to God, you know, I guess if you wanted to look at it this way, you could say, okay, Ezra's the lead pastor, and then the Levites are associate pastors, okay? That's kind of Christianizing it a little bit. If you, please forgive me if you're Jewish, because it's just trying to smooth that just a little bit. But the thing is, they taught the people. They taught them. Now, I just did a series on when someone, when a preacher, someone who is sharing the Word of God, what things are they or should they get into in explaining the Word of God? And I assure you, you know, I'm sure, you know, the Levites and Ezra didn't work off my categories. I'm, you know, I, I don't, I'm not saying that, you know. Hey, yeah, we found Lawrence categories in the future. Uh, it's not that. We found LA's categories. No, no. But I'm saying for now, to bridge what happened then to here the culture, the language, the history, the archaeology. But here's the thing they taught the people. At this point, you know, there might have been running up and down the aisles. I don't know. You know why I don't know? Because it doesn't say that. But I'll tell you one thing it says. The people were gripped in remorse. And they were sad. Now, in 9, in chapter 9, if you'll go to, to 9 and like verse 2, here's some things that they did at that time to show to demonstrate okay not to earn their salvation but to demonstrate they were serious starting uh, chapter 9 verse 2 it says and the Israelites separated themselves from all the foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers and they stood up in their place and they read the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day and for another quarter of it, they made confession and worshipped the Lord their God. So, verse 3 again. They stood up in their place and read the book of the law, read the Bible, for a quarter of the day. Wow. I mean, a lot of people can't even deal with 30 minutes. Can you imagine a quarter of a day? Woo! Right? And then another quarter of the day, they confessed and worshiped God. Oh. So. So here's some elements. Okay, here's some thoughts. This didn't start with a... Uh, and, and by the way, I love the emotional thing, okay? Because I consider myself a you know, charismatic kind of person myself. But here's the thing. It started with the Word of God. 
and the Spirit of God gripped them and convicted them. Then they agreed with God on what they had on the problems that they had done. And not only that, they said, and I'm sorry my my dad and his dad and his dad and his dad did all this crazy stuff, God, and upset you. And they confessed. And they worshipped. And worship is a happy thing. A grateful thing. A joyous thing. You know? So... If someone says to you, "Oh yeah, 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 man, we got a revival going on," we got revival, then look at look at how they're doing. Check check out Nehemiah nine and see see how that's lining up with that, because that's that was a, a real revival there. Now I'm not saying the other ones were fake. I'm just but there have been fake revivals. And, and and if every time you turn around somebody's having a revival, then the temp, to me sometimes that sounds like a reason just to whip people in a frenzy to get them to the church, so they'll give some more. It ought to last. It ought to last. No, unfortunately, it didn't last forever. That'd be wonderful. But there ought to be some stick-to-itiveness on that revival. So, with that in mind, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to keep on keeping. Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. And as always, don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth. And may God bless.